Welcome back to the Rebel Alliance Media Podcast. As always, P Nate and Pooty in the studios, helping in you. Garage in- Mahal. Garage Mahal. I don't know if people know that this is what we call the studio. Garage Mahal. Is this a known thing? Uh, I think we've said it on a couple of podcasts, but um, I don't know if I don't know if people really get where we are. I mean, we are very fortunate that uh, that Rebel Number 3, Dave, who uh, stays behind the scenes so often, uh, has this wonderful place that we can come and record. We'd be lost without him. Well, he does all the work. Yes. All we do is sit here, talk with our melodious voices, and look good on the videos. Like, he does actually all the work. He makes us look prettier than we are, <laughs> but yes. He airbrushes my complexion. <laughs> no, that's a thing. Is that a thing? I don't know. Yeah. So, as always, if you're listening to us, you know this is how we generally start, but we do always want to thank Dave because he's, we, we honestly couldn't do this without him. So, um, having said that, we are proud members of the Brian Media Network along with our friends, the Two Thieves, the Layman's Cup, and the Front Pew Podcast, which is a podcast for pastors by pastors. Um, I love that tagline. They, so. they definitely have the best tagline, or the, the one that's cut on the best, I think. Yeah, because I, I almost feel like I can't say their podcast name without saying their tagline. Yeah. But front anyway. pew, <laughs> yeah, front pew by pastors for pastors. Layman's cup, four guys sipping the truth. One no, ah, oh, see, I messed one, it up. Talking uh, the truth, one sip at a time. Yeah, or that's like right. That. And then and then two thieves there for you every Thursday, except when they're not. <laughs> except when they're not. Uh, good times, good times. Uh, yeah, but the BMN is awesome, and uh, and for our listeners uh, who might not even know this, uh, I mean, you guys see us talk about each other and push each other's content and stuff. But what you don't see is behind the scenes. We have a thread going where we all kind of interact with one another. We talk about our episodes. If there's ever pushback, there's that. That's where we do it. There, but there's a lot of joking, a lot of camaraderie and we're really thankful for those guys. Uh, The pushback in that thread is actually part of uh, what's precipitating today's conversation. Uh, we won't get into it just yet, but uh, there's some some backstage disagreements uh, and and brotherly love along with those disagreements. And then we actually had a listener come in with a question. So we'll get to that in just a minute. But, uh, but before we do, why don't you tell us uh, where people can find out more about the Rebels? Uh, you can find us on our website, which is www.rebelalliancemedia.com. Um, as always, you can download us on iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. And if you're listening in that media, we do appreciate if you give us a rating. It tremendously helps get the message of the gospel out to the public. Um, it helps us tremendously. But you can also find us on Twitter or on Facebook if those are the avenues in social media you prefer. Um, and on Facebook, we also have videos. So we do a, a much shorter version of what we're doing here. And you actually get to see what we look like. Sorry about that. Um, and you get to hear us kind of comment on more current events than like necessarily we a do on the topic, podcast. Yeah. Speaking of current events, though, did you hear this one, Nate? So Justin Bieber, for our Canadian listeners, uh, if our American... I think, I think people he, in the States he, know is, who he is. He's, okay, he's pretty right. international, I think. The Biebs? The, the Biebs, the Biebs, yeah. Apparently, he is planting a church with Joel Houston. Yeah, I've heard this. Uh, a Hillsong church, right? Do you know where it's going to be? No, 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 do I don't either. I, I'm assuming. I'm assuming it's like, you know how there's like Hillsong, New York, Hillsong, you know, I, this is like Hillsong World, right? Hillsong Global. Like if the Beebs is attached to it, I mean, it's going global. It's going places. It's Hillsong, it's Hillsong Marcel. They yeah. just combined. So, <laughs> so please don't leave us <laughs> to go and follow the Beebs. So I, here's my question. Yes, I, I have heard that, Chris. I mean, 
Do you buy it? I mean, do you do you think it's do you think his because he he canceled the tour or something? He talked about kind of wanting to reestablish his faith or something like that. I mean, are you buying this? Is this is this the Beeb's conversion? I I want to believe it. So yeah. I I'm naturally simply skeptical. I think of of just things like this in general that get out in the media. But I always I always want to look at these things and say, has there been like, has there been a change that I that we've seen? And I think we have to say there has been in his life. He was I, in trouble I, with the. I'm not. A, I'm not a huge Biebs follower, <laughs> so I'm going to have to take your your uh, uh, from from one believer to someone who's not. Uh, lay it on me. What are I the hashtag work with millennials, so <laughs> I get I get all this secondhand. But um, apparently, he used to get into a lot of trouble. So there was a lot of like trouble with the law. Like after he's been famous. Um, and a lot of that has ceased and he went away for a bit and then he's come back and this, and this has been kind of the fruits of him disappearing from the spotlight. Like we, we think of him as around all the time because we see and hear music all the time, but there is in these guys' life, that's, that's a, a small part. And then they go away and come back. Like that's kind of how they work. They tour and stuff like that. So what I hear you saying is that there's been a cessation to his illegal activity. <laughs> Yes. Uh, that's yeah, foreshadowing. See foreshadowing. what I'm doing there? Foresha- uh, foreshadowing. I, I, so I, long story short, I want to believe it. And I always want to give people as much as I can, even though I'm naturally skeptical. I want to give them the so here's So here's that. what I'll say. Biebs, if you're listening. I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. We'd love to have you on the podcast. And we'd love to ask you about this transformation. And hey, if any of our listeners will admit that they also follow Bieber on Twitter, tag him in this episode and uh and see if he'll come on the show yeah let's try to get rebels want to talk about talk with biebs trending can we do that is that a thing i can try to get started yeah we need kemp to come up with a good hashtag or actually ashley cox maybe come up with a good hashtag and let's run with it here hashtag we're trying to get biebs on the show we want to talk about your uh testimony biebs that would be lay it us lay us lay it on us our seven listeners might not be enough to get that trending So, yeah. <laughs> if each of you get two people to follow your hashtag, and each of them get two people, we can we can develop a pyramid scheme and get this happening. We could we could just branch. Eventually, the whole globe will be taken over. Yeah. So. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, Biebs, we'd love to have you on, but uh, I I do agree with you. I'm generally skeptical when I hear stuff like this as well. Um, but uh, I shouldn't be. I, I should hope for the best. I guess. Um, so uh, hopefully hopefully that's a real thing. Yeah, we, um, didn't, we didn't really prepare a segment, so I'm just going to ask you a question. Is sure, that cool? what's up? What are you reading this week? Uh, right now, so I'm actually reading a, uh, a book called The Narnia Code. The Narnia Code. The, the Narnia Code, yeah. Uh, it's a great book, um, and it's basically... So if anybody has ever read any of the Chronicles of Narnia, you know that the Chronicles of Narnia are kind of known for being a, a kind of a hodgepodge or a, a, a conglomeration of different traditions, right? So it has centaurs and it has talking animals and it has uh, minotaurs and it has um, witches and it has, uh, you know, uh, Santa Claus. Like it, it just seems like it's a whole mixture of all these different mythologies. And, uh, and so it's uh, this, this book, the, uh, the Narnia Code, uh, which was uh, written by Michael Ward. That's right. Um, the Narnia Code is kind of a, uh, a shorter version of a book called Planet Narnia, where he kind of talks about the, the hidden brilliance behind uh, C.S. Lewis and how he wrote the, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia uh, to follow uh, essentially ancient mythologies concerning the planets. So 
Uh, it's it's actually it's really really solid. If you're a big C.S. Lewis fan like I am, and a big Chronicles of Narnia fan like I am, and I'm looking forward like my kids are just at that age where I'm, I'm chomping at the bit to start reading them, you know, uh, books like Chronicles of Narnia, um, then uh, then it's worth reading because then you can explain the hidden brilliance behind C.S. Lewis to your kids. So that's what I'm reading right now. Can can that's I can I can I confess something like publicly to if it's that you you've never read Dave and the eight people that are listening? Yep, I've never finished the Chronicles of Narnia. Wow. Is that bad? Yeah. I can I point out that like you I, might get us kicked out of the Berean Media Network. I, I've read a lot of C.S. Lewis, just not right. that. Right, right. right. Um, and part of it's it's just like I I became aware of those much older than the stories. Let me ask you this though, Chris: How many years has it been since you've read Harry Potter? Harry Potter. I've never read Harry Potter. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so if you can read Harry Potter, you can read Chronicles of Narnia. That's my point. I, I have the Chronicles of Narnia. I've just never actually sat down to be yeah. like... They're good, I'm gonna, I'm they're, gonna, they're really, really good. I've read, I've read the first couple, and I've seen a movie, and I didn't really like the movie. Yeah, you can't um, ever judge anything on the movie. I agree. Yeah. So, and, and I'm the kind of guy who, if, they have a, if I know there's a book and they make a movie, I'm not going to watch the movie. I'm going to read the book, then watch the movie. That's because I want to see But you broke all your rules for Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Yeah, yeah, I did basically. And that see was, what happens that was when a you mistake. go. See what happens when lawlessness uh, develops in your heart, Chris. When the depravity of man just <laughs> runs wild. Yes. Yeah. If, if there was ever a time to question something. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, we thought we'd get into uh, a discussion today. So. For any of you who kind of follow uh, some of the the Berean Media Network stuff, you'll know that last week the Two Thieves released an episode on cessationism. And uh, for some of our listeners who might not uh, know what that term means, essentially they put forward an argument for why they believe that the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit have ceased, right? Cessationism, that's, that's where that term comes from, they've ceased. So miraculous gifts of tongues, of prophecy, of uh, words of knowledge. Um, they didn't really talk much about healing. I'd be interested to kind of push back on them a little bit and, and, and ask what they think about healing as well. Um, but uh, but so, so that's their position. And, uh, and their, their episode actually, we're recording on Friday, so it actually just came out today. So we actually listened to their episode on the way into the studio today. Uh, so we haven't had a whole lot of time to kind of interact with all their arguments, um, but we're going to. And, and so this is what we're talking about today is kind of in-house debates. We're, we're, because we just finished a two-part series on apologetics, uh, we called this episode In-House Apologetics. So how is it that you defend what you think the Bible says to other believers, right? So our, our last two episodes were specifically kind of how do you defend the faith against athe- atheists? How do you defend the faith against those who don't believe it? Um, how do you defend the Bible against people who don't believe uh, believe the Bible. Um, and we talked about that in the last two episodes, and hopefully that was of some practical help for people. We actually, we've, we've gained a lot of traction on those episodes. It's, uh, it's been great, the response we've got. Yeah, I think there's a, a real desire from, from a lot of people who are listening to us, but just Christians in general, about how to start affecting change in the world. And apologetics, like we said on those episodes, is a tool and a method to do that. So I yeah. think I think it's something, and I would even maybe throw that back out to the other people in the BMN, that it might be worth all of us kind of talking yeah, about t- this. Taking our slant on, exactly, on apologetics. We all, yeah. do, we all do one of the awesome things about podcasts is we all kind of come at things in a different in a different manner, you know? So it might be, it might be worth, uh, you know, just down the road, something to throw out there, not to put you guys on the spot or anything like that. 
Well, and, and there's actually a question that's come in by one of our listeners. Uh, and so we'll, we'll interact with that for a little bit. But, but like I said, so this, um, this idea of in-house apologetics kind of came up um, through a question and through what we've been dialogue, dialoguing back and forth with the two thieves on. So that's their position. Uh, for those listening who would know what this term means, we would consider ourselves continuationists. Uh, which simply means that the miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit have continued and are still in operation today. Um, so w- next week, we're actually going to interact with their episode a little bit more once we've once we've digested it, once we've kind of gone through the arguments, and uh, and uh, and we'll we'll come up with a, a good response. But I guess just you know, s- since we're about, let's model right now what we're about to talk about, Chris. Uh, just I mean, real quick, what were your impressions? We literally just listened to their episodes. What were your impressions? Well, I, I thought there was a lot of good things to think about um, So in, in their episode, um, but there was, there was some things right away that I, I would like to interact with, and so we're going to do that, I know, I know, next week. Um, like, right, right away, I, I, think, I think the point with any kind of in-house debate is that we have to always start with an assumption that the Scripture is the final authority on what it says. And I, one thing I, I think I noticed in that episode— is that we didn't necessarily get into what we think scripture says. A lot of it was based on what confession said and what their experience has been. And I, I, and I want to just make sure that whenever we start a discussion like this, we, we have to agree that scripture is our final authority on that. Yeah. Um, and and so- we know that the thieves believe that. Yeah, absolutely. We know that the thieves believe that. Um, we would just say that, you know, appealing to the confession, and I know we probably do disagree with them a little bit in terms of, of some of their reliance on the confessions. But I think in this particular view, because y- you can you can name Calvin and you can name some of the guys who uh, supported their view, and, and we could come up with the same list, right? Guys throughout church history, early church fathers, reformers, and modern pastors that we would all uh, agree with. So, you know, they, uh, I, I don't think that we can use that as argumentation. And, and that wasn't their only argument. The other thing is, it's interesting, in these debates, a lot of times, um, it's the continuationists, it's the people who, are, who believe that the, the miraculous gifts have continued, who use experience as a proof for why their point of view is correct. And I actually thought that maybe the thieves did that in the opposite, right? So they, they, they assumed that that was one of our arguments, which it, which it isn't. And I think that, you know, when, when you talk about how continuationism could lead to other errors or it's a slippery slope, right? Again, that, that's not a Bible argument, right? So that's, that's not a reason to not do something, right? That's, that's like saying preaching grace could lead people to ask the question, well, why should we not sinning so that grace may abound, right? And that didn't stop uh, Paul from preaching grace radically. It just made him put in that caveat. And I think that's what scripture teaches, that there are, there are gifts of the Spirit that are still in operation. And that's why we get these caveats uh, in the book of Corinthians about how we can and, and how we should and shouldn't uh, handle some of those gifts. So um, so I, I think that some of the arguments were, were better than others, um, and we're really looking forward to interacting with those. And uh, and we'll kind of go point by point through uh, some of the things that they said next week. Yeah, which, which is, it's funny how these things work out, God is sovereign, right? That yep. we had planned, before we even knew they were going to release that episode this week, to have a discussion on how do you, how do you lovingly disagree or how do you lovingly debate with a brother in Christ about a doctrinal issue, you know what I mean? And 
we had planned to have this in-house apologetics episode after the last couple of weeks before we knew this was even going to, that we were going to get to this debate that we, we, we had talked about, like they, we've both planned to have these episodes prior. So it's just funny how it's, how it's worked out. So I think, I think to start the in-house debate thing, I think we have to lay out some ground rules. Right. So, so, so before we get there though, cause I, I just want to say this, is, and this is kind of how we got to this. We knew this was coming up with the thieves. We were going to talk about it. Um, and then we actually had another interview that we were supposed to do today with a, a special guest, which will, will remain hidden uh, <laughs> because we had to uh, uh, reschedule with him uh, later next month. So um, you'll still get him, uh, but not right away. So then we were kind of stuck with, okay, well, what do we do today? And we had kind of tossed around this idea. And then we got a question from one of our faithful listeners uh, named Steve Pye. And he said, here's a question. So this is in response to our apologetics uh, episodes, the last two. Here's a question, he says. From an apologetics perspective, I'm largely gearing the context towards the Christian audience. But it's applicable to the unsaved as well, although I think, in my opinion, that there would uh, be more grace extended to the unsaved in this matter than those who, for all intents and purposes, should know better. My question is this. How should we approach apologetically rooted discussions with other believers when the other party is unwilling to engage in discussion or healthy debate? I'm not thinking in terms of a person who, d- who just doesn't want to talk about important topics, but rather people who already have their minds made up on an important area of Christianity, but are actually in direct opposition to sound theology from your own perspective. And they simply refuse to listen to any discussion because they are convinced that they have the correct worldview. Issues associated with homosexuality or abortion, for instance, where a Christian has taken a stand that is contrary to the word and simply refuses to listen to any debate on the topic. Inasmuch as we can use apologetics as a tool to approach conversation that helps lead an unbeliever to Christ, I think it has just as much value in keeping a believer aligned with fundamental tenets of the faith. In situations where I face this issue, the conflicting perspectives often cause a rift between myself and the other person. So um, the idea here is, um, you know, Steve's specific question is, there are issues, and the the ones he brings up are social issues, right? He, He uses homosexuality and abortion. And we know, we know that there are Christian denominations, specifically on the topic of homosexuality and transgenderism, who have caved on this, right? We've seen denominations fall, we've seen pastors fall, and cave to societal pressure on these issues. So as Christians, we ought to be talking to our brothers and sisters who have uh, allowed an incorrect doctrine uh, or an incorrect view of Scripture to seep its way into their hearts. So Steve's question essentially is, how do we get into those conversations if they're unwilling to have them, or if they're unwilling to change their mind? So in order to do a full podcast on this, we're going to answer Steve's question, um, but we're also going to kind of broaden this a little bit because I, I think somebody um, somebody uh, believing that homosexuality or abortion is within the confines of uh, Christian orthodoxy is maybe a little bit more far off than some in-house debates like we're having with the thieves, right? Cessationism versus continuationism. There have been good, God-fearing uh, Bible teachers on both sides of this for, for years, right? Yeah. And, uh, and so, I mean, two guys that kind of come to mind as almost figureheads, modern figureheads of both these sides would be a John Piper and a John MacArthur. Right. There's both of them have been faithful Bible teachers for years and years and years. And uh, we would disagree with different things on both sides uh, of what they believe. But, you know, John Piper is a is a staunch continuationist. He believes that the these miraculous gifts of the Holy Spirit have continued. 
Uh, John MacArthur doesn't think so at all. In fact, he held a conference, Strange Fire, that was about kind of combating that particular view and more specifically charismania. Um, but these two, they, they speak together at, uh, at uh, Together for the Gospel and Gospel Coalition conferences and stuff like that. I mean, these guys, you know, have, have done ministry alongside one another for a number of years. So clearly these in-house discussions can happen and should. So the question is, how do we go about doing this? So I, I think I think with a brother, the only the only way you can have this be a discussion, it could be a heated discussion, but a discussion with the goal of getting to truth is you have to lay ground rules. And these these don't have to be said. They they just have to be something that you both recognize. Like when we when you and I disagree, this is generally how internally it just this is just the way it works. Right. And sometimes we say this. Yeah, we, we might yeah. we might point it out, be like, well, let's, let's see what this says. And I would I would just break them down. I think there's three of them. So okay, so three rules that we would say, or, or let's not even call them rules. Let's just say, say kind of yeah, three foundational guidelines when you are debating another Christian about theology, but theology or a doctrine or whatnot. So first, you have to enter enter the conversation assuming the other person's a brother, and I say that yeah. <laughs> or a sister in Christ. Uh, the yeah. reason I say that is I think so often, and we we were talking about this earlier, is that. People on both sides of arguments, like big ones, like Calvinism versus Arminianism, yeah. they have a we have a tendency to assume that because we're right in this in this doctrine, that the other side is there is in error and therefore in error about everything they believe about Christ, right. meaning that they're not even Christians. Right. And we don't articulate that very much out like in our head. We don't actually say that out loud because it sounds bad well, if we yeah. do, but we we enter into the argument with almost a, a superiority superiority of i know what scripture says therefore everything like my my position is is the final authority because of that and i think that's a, i think that's a dangerous thing because yeah we're to do these these things with the baseline of love yes. right we we want to yeah. come to these things for truth's sake um because we want to cr- Generally, in these situations, you want to correct a brother in or sister in in, in a doctrinal error. Yeah, and and this is actually it, kind of going back to the charismatic uh, argument. I think this is one of my main issues with how John MacArthur approached the whole Strange Fire Conference. In in that book, he says that he believes wide widely that most charismatics around the world are not Christians. Yeah. and I would just say what's interesting is that you're 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 listening to two guys who got saved through the charismatic movement. And so that doesn't mean that we don't move towards orthodoxy. But to say that there are widely unregenerate people who populate charismatic churches, I think is just inaccurate. I think they need good teaching, and I think that there are maybe some uh, unregenerate people in there. And I think, and we're not talking about the the complete crazies, right? We're not talking about word of faith uh, preachers, but and we do know that charismatic theology can, can lead itself there. But... What I'm saying is that John MacArthur just closed himself off from being able to teach or speak truth into an entire movement because he just put them outside the realm of Christianity, right? right exactly. So, so they won't—they're not even invited to the table to speak no. because they're not Christians. Exactly. Which, which, if you actually play that scenario out, which means he he casts out people like John Piper, Stamp Storms, right? Jonathan Edwards and 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 whenever somebody on. pushes him on that he does say oh no no well he's a right but you can't make these wide sweeping statements and and then throw in all the accept him accept him accept him that's why you don't make large sweeping statements yeah. but 
Um, so, so yeah, you, you can tell we we're, we're excited to respond to the theme yeah, next yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and and so, they didn't they didn't do that at all. So I don't I don't no, wanna, no, no, I don't no, want to no, put no, any words not. in their mouth. Not at all. Um, to me, the second thing we have to do um, to enter into these conversations in the correct way is agree to lay aside pre presuppositions of what we think we know. So what I mean by that is like if we are entering into a debate. And we think we think scripture says this one thing. We have to be able to, we have to be willing to have our minds changed. Right. And and I agree. So, um, you know, this isn't, um, I always hate, you know, and, and it generally is kind of a, a liberal Christian argument where it's like, we have to have open minds, right? And I love what Doug Wilson says when he says, an open mind is as good as an open mouth, right? It's it's used to close on truth, just like a, an open mouth is used to close on food. So we ought to kind of close our minds on truth. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. But if we can agree to the first thing, we're, we're discussing this with brothers, and we are legitimately going into a conversation where we want them to embrace truth, then we have to go in willing to embrace truth as well. So so I would almost articulate exactly what you just said in in maybe this way would, would kind of um, maybe prod people or poke people a little bit, and that is um, be more willing to find truth than, or want to find truth more than you want to be right. Yeah, that's probably a nicer way right? to say it. Yeah, no, I, I think, but I think that's pointed, right? So it's, it's, um, you're, you're not going in as if your point of view isn't well thought out, right? So we're coming into this conversation with the, with the thieves, and they've thought through their, their position. We've thought through our position. And I do a disservice to Justin and to Brandon if I assume that I can change their mind, but they can't change mine, yeah. right? So we have to say, I love truth enough, and they say this all the time, to be reformed by the scriptures, Right, which kind of leads into your third point. Yeah, the third point, which I think, which I think is the is the main point. I would say the first two lead into the big idea, and the big idea of this is agree that the scripture is the final authority. Right. On whatever issue you're about to debate. Right. So, what does scripture say on the issue? Is the final word, regardless of what I think I thought beforehand and whatever I think now. We have to agree that we will look to the God's word. First and foremost, as the authority on that matter. Right. So I, lo- I love those. So just real quick, just to summarize those three points that you made, Chris. Um, number one, assume you're going into a dialogue with a brother. And that doesn't mean that. I mean, if you're going in to talk about something like, you know, I have some issue, I have some major issues with uh, things that Bruxy Cavey has recently taught when he's questioning penal substitutionary atonement. I think in this podcast, probably I've talked about N.T. Wright and some of the things I really like about N.T. Wright. But he wrote, uh, uh, I think it was a paper that turned into a book called The New Perspective on Paul, where he talked about justification in a way that, that you know, made me cautious. But um, there were a lot of Christians who immediately said, he's a heretic, we got to throw everything out from him. And when you watch him in, as he interacted with John Piper and some people on this, you realize, you know, though that was a dangerous thing, it didn't make him not a Christian. And so let's jump into these conversations, assuming we're talking to a brother. And if in your conversations you realize that this person is outside the realm of, of Christian orthodoxy, then that's one thing. But go into the conversation extending charity, right? Go into the conversation giving them the benefit of the doubt. So assume you're going in with a Christian. Number two, you said, is, is go in kind of with your your position open-handed, right? Willing, willing to be wrong. Go in with truth at the center. You're both trying to find truth. Don't go in holding so closely to your ideas that there's no possible way, even if you're wrong, that you'll be convinced to change your mind. And then number three is you both have to go in agreeing that scripture is the final authority. Scripture is where you're going to come to a consensus on this, if you can come to a consensus, but that's where 
that and 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 that's where it's very very simple. I mean, for you and I, we often we we say this all the time, when we're when we're debating things, whether it's you against me or it's it's us against other Christians or whatever, we say whoever leaves the Bible first loses. And generally, you see this, right? People throw their proof texts at one another. They'll interact with each other's biblical arguments, and then all of a sudden, somebody will leave the Bible first. And, uh, and just to interact a little bit with Steve's specific question, he talked about homosexuality. And this is, this is a perfect example, right? So, so you can talk about, so say you bring up Sodom and Gomorrah, and then they'll talk about how um, some scholars believe that the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah uh, was inhospitality, right? Which I think is a really bad reading of, of that particular story. But, but so they have a biblical argument. Okay. So then you go through some of the Levitical law and they talk about how we're not under Levitical law anymore. Or that, or that the, those particular laws against homosexuality only applied to priests, which again, I think is a bad hermeneutic, but they're, they're on the Bible. They're, they're, they're giving you biblical answers. And then you talk about you know, New Testament texts like 1 Corinthians 6, and they, they talk about that word could be translated in various ways. And then you get to what I think is kind of irrefutable, and that is Romans 1, where it condemns men lying with men and women lying with women, and that they gave up natural relations for unnatural relations. I don't know that there's a great argument for that. I've heard some people talk about how that's talking about um, heterosexuals practicing homosexuality, which I think is a, a very um, weird equivocate, like a, a, a weird uh, argument. But um, and then, so, you know, so you'll, you'll continue to kind of throw Bible verses at them and, and you'll dis- debate the scriptures and you'll talk maybe about the whole counsel of God and how it's God's plan to bring men and women together for multiplication and, and uh, the spreading of God's image around the earth and, and all this kind of stuff. And then eventually you'll get to a point where they say, but it's just not fair, yeah. right? And, and, and get, then well, they've left. And then they've left the Bible and, and that's where they lose. So... I think that um, in in-house debates, whoever loses the Bible first, or whoever leaves the Bible first generally loses. Um, but let's get into just kind of um, specifically interacting with Steve's question. So first, Chris, let's talk about people who aren't willing to engage on these topics. So if, if you were talking to somebody, uh, uh, somebody in our church maybe, or somebody, uh, a coworker who attends a different church, and you, you see that they have, and um, let's, let's not pick on homosexuality, let's pick on, um, uh, let's talk about abortion, right? Um, <laughs> okay. Because that was Steve's other, other one. So um, this person uh, defends abortion and doesn't think that it's outside of the realm of scripture, but they don't want to talk to you about it. How would you engage in conversation with them? Yeah, so the first the first thing I would want to know is the first my first question because you can't really agree to enter into the conversations if they're not agreeing to enter into the conversation, right? So right. Um, the first thing I would want to know is why are they not trying? Why are they not wanting to enter the conversation? So really quickly at that point, I, I think you have to make a decision as you know you have to discern is the reason they're not wanting to enter in the conversation because they don't they don't want to have their minds changed for fear of whatever that would lead to in their lives or is it because they they can't they don't actually believe right what scripture says on these matters so they're not going to agree to those points because they they can't right and so you have to you have to discern right away is this is this is a better topic regardless of what they think on abortion is a better topic to just discuss the to discuss the gospel with them. Right. And so I think that with people who don't want to enter in their, into, into conversations, 
you can't really force them to, you know what right. I mean? So at that point, it's the gospel. What do people need when they don't want to be changed? The gospel. And so that's where I would go with that. Now, I, I think, so if I can just jump jump in there real quick, I think that's, um, you said something that I think is actually worth saying again or, or pointing out, just getting our, our listeners to slow down there because you said that, you know, why is it that they don't want to enter into this conversation? I think I think you really need to take that question seriously because, so, I mean, on the topic of homosexuality, right, I, I know I, I have friends who struggle with this topic. Uh, they struggle with what the Bible says about homosexuality because they have friends, they have family members, they have children who are professing homosexuals. And so they look at their loved one's homosexuality as a barrier to the gospel that can't be overcome. What does it mean if I embrace what the Bible says about homosexuality? How does that change my relationship to my son, to my daughter, to my brother, to my father? Um, that's real, right? So, so we have to engage with them on that and, and, and find out why. And, and just you know, ask them, why is this such a personal topic to you? And they might open up. And I've had conversations with people where, you know, they know what the Bible says, but they've embraced somebody's faulty hermeneutic, some faulty um, uh, justification for why that Bible doesn't really say that, because they want to believe the opposite because of something. And when I ask that, so why is this such a hard topic for you? I've had people break down and say, I, I can't imagine looking my son in the face and telling him that I, I think he's sinning. So suddenly your conversation with him becomes very different, right? Suddenly your conversation with, with that person becomes, do you think, do you think that homosexuality is beyond redemption? Do you think that that's a worse sin than, than the uh, ad addiction to lust and pornography that some men have? Or why do you think that this particular sin God can't transform? Right? And, and so you can talk to them about the power and the potency of the gospel, and maybe that's how you get into the conversation with, with people about it. So, or, or even abortion, right? They might have had an abortion in the past, and they've been living with guilt and condemnation and feeling as though they're outside of God's grace. Again, once you know that, then you can have the conversation with them and say, you know, this isn't unforgivable. Right? The, the, the gospel and, and Christ's sacrifice still covers even this. And so a lot of times I think people hold on to this personally. And if that's the case, you need to get to the root of it if you're going to have a meaningful dialogue with them. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I like what you said. Yeah, you, have to, you have to get them to see the gospel that, and the gospel that we can over, like we have the power given to us to overcome these things. Right. Even if they're real hurts, because they are real hurts. You know what I mean? Yep. We can overcome these things to be reformed by it. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think that's a, that's a really good thing that you said that, but there is that other person, right? The person totally. who just, percent. We, we often joke, like there's books that we don't want to read because we don't want to be challenged by <laughs> something that we might be, have to be like, convicted of. And <laughs> yeah. so I would just push back. If you discern that the person just doesn't want to enter the conversation because they just don't want to change. And they don't, they don't want to have to confront a sin in their lives. Well, let's use, let's not use something that's so, so public, like like a, an abortion or a homosexuality issue, like something like they don't tithe or they won't uh, yeah, okay. they won't uh, yep. serve in the church or something like that. James four seven seventeen says like if anyone then knows what is good and and ought to do and doesn't do it, it's sin. Yeah. 
Right. And what are we what are we called to do? If we believe the person's a brother, which is again at the beginning of yep. the sermon, you we're have to understand. We're going into the conversation, giving them the benefit of the doubt. Well, what does the Bible tell us to do if we if somebody in our church is willfully living in a sinful manner, and it doesn't even have to be a, that big of a public sin? Well, one person goes to talk to them. If it doesn't change, you bring another. That doesn't change. You go to the you go to the elders. If that doesn't change, you bring it to the church, and then you treat them like an unbeliever. Church discipline becomes the loving, the loving response at that point. So, to to Steve in those two situations, I think I think there's multiple ways you can approach that, and not all of them are, are the same. But as long as you're doing all those things first and foremost, assuming one that they're in that they're in house debates and that you love them, I think you can get to the right to the right answer. Um, the other thing too is is remember that every conversation you have can steer them in the right direction, but not necessarily bring them to repentance or embracing your your view. Right. So I say this. Um, you know, one of the conversations I get into quite often with Christians it would be Christians who have adopted some form of a theistic evolutionary view. Right. So they look at they look at um, the evidence for evolution and they read their Bible. And they don't know how to marry the two, and so they come up with some form of theistic evolution where where God has used evolution to to create the world, and and that's the view that they've embraced, right? Well, in my in my estimation, that's that's incorrect. That's bad theology. That's bad doctrine. That's a bad reading of Scripture. So, if I go to them and I, I so what are we debating here? We're debating evolution and whether or not it's compatible with the Christian worldview, but. If I get into a conversation about evolution, I've left the Bible, right? And so again, use the Bible as your authority. One of the things that um, I've done in conversations with theistic evolutionists is as I just ask them questions, you know, how do you understand Genesis 1 and 2? Tell me how you read those things. Um, you know, how do you read uh, in, in Genesis where it says that sin, or in Romans where it says that sin entered the world through Adam's sin, if, or if, and, and with it, death, right? And it, so if death entered the world, then how do you explain the death that evolution uses in its, in its uh, survival of the fittest processes? If death hadn't have happened prior to the fall, then how do you explain the death of, you know, uh, whatever uh, we evolved from as God uses billions of years of evolution to get us to Adam and Eve in the garden? Or I'll ask something like, well, both Jesus and Paul seem to really believe that there was a real historical guy named Adam. In fact, it's actually fundamental to the gospel that you do believe that because Paul says just as death and sin entered the world through Adam, uh, through one man, so too did um, you know, life and ever, everlasting life and, and forgiveness enter through Christ, the second Adam. So I would just leave them. So I don't have to get them to believe my point of view, but then I, I say, so whatever your view is, why don't you go home and think about that? And how do you get to a historical Adam? Do you believe in a historical Adam? And if you don't believe in a historical Adam because of your theistic evolution, then how does the gospel work? How do you understand Paul? So that's not me changing their views. That's me poking, poking at their views, which is one of the, the, the things that we said in our apologetics episode is to kind of ask questions and just poke holes and then let them go and talk about it and think about it. Again, you're assuming that they are a Christian. So go and, and have them wrestle, wrestle with the scriptures. Bad things won't happen when Christians go to the scriptures and try to understand what they believe because we have the spirit dwelling inside of us and as you pray for them and as they wrestle with the scriptures, the, the hope would be that uh, God leads them to truth.
as he does to all of us. So don't think that you have to change everybody's view with, with, within one conversation. Sometimes you can just put a stone in their shoes. Sometimes you can just give them enough to think about, send them back to the Bible, and then, and then actually follow through on your desire to pray for them so that God is the one who changes them. Yeah, exactly. Let's, let's, let's give somebody a real, a real example. We, I didn't tell you we were going to do this because I just thought of it now. Okay. Um, we used to debate when we first met. Yep. Um, how long was that? Eight years, nine years ago? I don't know. How, however yeah. many years ago it was. I would have held to an Arminian perspective. Cats out of the bag. Cats out of the bag. Don't kick me out of the network. <laughs> um, and then this is the process, probably not realizing, but this is the process you use to bring me into, in, and both of our agree now, correct understanding. <laughs> right. So, the, and that understanding was one, I, I did exactly what we would say people who are in error are doing. We're bringing... My, I'm bringing my own experience. Well, I remember, I've, well, at least I think I remember choosing. And right. And that seemed this, like a real choice. Exactly. I seem to have free will. Exactly, right? Like I dropped my pen, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Chris Poots did that. <laughs> Chris Poots, uh, you didn't do that. That's yeah. a John Piper quote there. But anyway, um, and this is the kind of thing you did. We you we agreed that we, we were going to love each other and that we were both Christians. Yeah. Without saying, we didn't have to sign a contract to agree to that. We just did it. And then I agreed to have my, my, my mind changed and to the best of my knowledge, you did as yeah, well. Yeah, I did. Yeah, Whereas absolutely. like if I could prove it from scripture. Yep. And so I went through the scriptures to try to prove yep. your position incorrect. Yep. And in reverse, I had my position reformed to what we both now would say is true because I can't, I couldn't biblically argue my point. Right. Um, and so that's when, when you're saying poke holes what you're really what you're really trying to do is get get somebody in an air who is looking at a subject and whatever the issue is abortion homosexuality whatever it is as long as it falls in that secondary camp of issues you know what i mean because it's a different story if it's yeah. a minor a major get them to search the scriptures because god's word will com- will convict and convince it's not Absolutely. it's not you having romans 1 and romans 7 and ephesians 4 memorized that is going to do that Right. Helpful, absolutely, yeah. if you can do that. You should be doing that, those things. But it's them engaging with the scriptures and be willing to be changed by the Holy Spirit speaking to us through God's word that will actually convict someone's heart and change it. So yeah. I think that's... Uh, um, and, and just to that point, that was a process, right? I mean, I don't want to... I, I don't actually fully remember, but I want to say that that was almost a, a full year of kind of dialogue between the two of us. And we drive our wives nuts because we'd have these conversations and we talk about it for as long as our wives would allow us to before they said we had to move on. And we <laughs> and we would kind of talk about it and, and then I'd say, well, you know, what about Ephesians 2? And then you'd say, oh, okay, I'll, I'll go and look at that. And, and you would throw something at me. And, uh, and then we kind of go back. And then we, when we came back together, it would, you'd say, okay, well, I see what you're saying in, in Ephesians 2, right? Dead my trespasses, made alive together in Christ. But maybe I can answer that this way. And I, I remember, I think it was actually finally, I, I got to Romans 9 as, as the big heavyweight punch. And I remember you, I, I specifically remember you wrestling through Romans 9 and kind of not able to gel it with your point of view. And, and by that time, you'd gone through all of these different verses as we've gone back and forth. And it wasn't one conversation that did it. No. It was, like you said, the process of me saying, hey, what about this? And then you go and study it. And then, hey, what about this? And then you went and studied it. And God was the one who changed you uh, on that. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's a great example. Thanks for uh, thanks for being vulnerable and telling everybody you used to be an Arminian. <laughs> <laughs> right. There's I, hope for anyone. There's hope for us all. Um, but but the, the, the outcome of that is 
a stronger bond between the two people. For sure. And, you know, a stronger bond with the word of God. You know what I mean? Because you've seen something and we've all, we've all probably at some point had our eyes just like lifted to see something that we hadn't seen, even though we had read a book in scripture hundreds of times. Um, you know, yeah. it happens when in that stuff. So in, in fact, alive. It, in fact, the, and here's a, here's a funny little quip that sometimes you guys don't know about Chris. So the first time he ever got to preach, Chris like busted out Romans nine and went total Calvinist <laughs> on, the, on the church that he went to. Um, like, was the like second to- time. Second oh, was it the second time? Um, and uh, like, so, okay. The first time you got to come up with the, yeah, your yeah, own yeah. topic where you weren't just given the text, he went total Romans nine and just, just came in there busting skulls. Yeah, um, so uh, in a, in a good way, in a Ho- good way. Hopefully so so obviously <laughs> they haven't so, invited me back though. So, <laughs> so, uh, so it, I just say that to say like you, it, it became so internalized and personal to you that that was one of the first things that you got out as you were, you know, praying and, and thinking about what to preach on. So exactly. So when when you when you're poking holes, like there there is there is that uh, that assumption that eventually you'll come together in truth. Whoever ends up being right in the in the discussion, yeah. But so firm on that because you've gone through this process to get there, which is you know studying the scriptures, praying together, all the all those things, which. We advocate all the time on here, right? Right. Um, so that's, I think that's a good example for people to, to kind of go with. And so just just two other, so we've kind of talked through and hopefully you can kind of, as as we we gave you the, the kind of guideline, foundational guidelines, um, and then just a couple other, and then hopefully you kind of followed the rest of our conversation. You got some maybe practical advice on, on how we go into different aspects of the conversation. But two other just real quick practical pieces of advice that I'd say is number one, just listen first. Right. So when when you're going into a conversation, um, one of the worst sins in debate is not listening to what the person has to say and just waiting for your time to speak. So don't do that. Listen first and then respond. Um, and uh, and so in those conversations. And so I'll talk to Steve, who, who first gave us this question. Right. Um, listen first. So instead of saying, hey, I think you're wrong about this. Let's talk about it. Um, just say, help me understand your view on this, right? And, and that, that just opens up people to conversation so much faster. And then the second piece of advice I'd say is sometimes you might not feel equipped to know that you know enough about the, that particular topic, or it might actually be easier conversation, especially if it's somebody who's really close. Um, if you give them something to listen to, so this is a little self-promoting, but, um, you know, give them a podcast or give them a sermon or give them something to listen to that, that gives them your point of view, because sometimes it's easier for somebody to come and say, I disagreed with that guy on the recording than I disagree with you. Some people just don't like confrontation. They'll avoid it at all costs. So they, they won't be willing to engage in this if, if it's you against them. So give them a, a kind of separate thing. Give them give them a, a third party that you guys can come to together. And maybe you'll say, yeah, I didn't like when they said that either. But what do you think about this point? And so that might bring you both together in a less confrontational way. Um, and... Uh, and when I say that, one of Steve's suggestions was uh, if we come up with some of these hot button topics that maybe, you know, instead of a 45 or 50 minute episode as ours tend to be, if we released maybe even within the Berean Media Network, hey, here's, here's what the Bible says about homosexuality, five minutes. Here's what the Bible says about Calvinism, five minutes. And give, you know, so that that's a resource for people because people are sure a lot you know more inclined to listen to a five or 10 minute thing specifically on that than maybe all our 
jokes and that we think we think is funny but <laughs> um so so we're working on that steve we're working on that absolutely um, anything anything else you want to add to this discussion before we uh sign off yeah the the only the only last piece of advice i would i would say that is like is don't don't also be the guy searching this out you know right. i mean like the bible is like fairly clear to not be quarrelsome um there's i think 15 proverbs i counted that just mentioned don't be quarrelsome right don't be the guy who's tr- walking around always purposely trying to get into these these debates. Right. Be the guy who who loves his friends and who is the guy that his friends, when they actually have questions, will come to because they know they respect his yeah. character. They respect. And see, that's a really good point point of view because I think um, you know we often say you can fall off the road onto either side of the ditch, right? And I think oftentimes us within the reform circles. We get labeled rightfully as the quarrelsome guys, the guys wanting to debate, wanting to correct, jumping into fights, jumping into arguments. Um, And part of it is because we're skeptical of where people fall off the ditch on the other side. And that is they don't love truth enough to um, uh, essentially challenge error, to challenge what's wrong. So don't you know, love truth enough to be willing to go into these conversations, but don't be the guy who uses truth as the hammer to beat people down because that's, that's not right either. What, like go, go along the road, don't fall off the ditch on either side. And, and that road is loving your brothers and sisters, which means confronting their, their errors. Um, but doing so in a way that wins the person, not just the argument. Absolutely. So, so that was good. Um, we are really looking forward to uh, responding to the thieves um, and uh, and hopefully all of these uh, guidelines that we talked about. We know that them well enough to know their hearts. They love Jesus. They love the word of God. We're not going to have trouble following these foundational guidelines. And, and hopefully, hopefully that uh, whichever one of us is wrong, um, the Holy Spirit will reform our hearts and uh, and conform us to the scriptures and uh, and we'll be uh, both be sharpened by it. So look forward to that episode dropping next week and uh, we look forward to seeing you every every Wednesday uh, on iTunes, every Friday in video form on Facebook. And until uh, next time, Pete and Pooty out. <laughs> You've been listening to the Rebel Alliance podcast, where we equip you to engage culture through a biblical worldview. Please take the time to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app, write a review, and leave a five-star rating. If you would like to see all of our content, which includes podcast episodes uploaded to iTunes each Wednesday, and short videos about engaging culture released on Facebook each Friday, please visit us online at rebelalliancemedia.com. We love hearing from you. So if you have questions, comments, or would like to suggest episode topics, send us a message on Facebook or email us at info at Thanks for joining us, and you may now consider yourself part of the rebellion.